and welcome to A Bookshelf Binge. I'm your host, Jessica, and today I'm joined by actress Eva Kaminsky. Eva is an actress who narrated over 250 audiobooks. You might recognize her voice from audiobooks like Savage Lands by Stacey Marie Brown, the Gilded Newport Mystery Series by Alyssa Maxwell, the Fatal Series by Marie Force, and so many others. Thank you so much for being here. I am so honored to be here. I had Stacey Marie Brown on a few weeks ago. And it just really highlighted that I really wanted you. <laughs> I saw that you you guys talked. Um, that's that's so fun because I actually just finished number five, I think, in Savage Lands. So that I I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I think that one's coming out soonish. <laughs> Thank goodness I haven't I haven't read book five yet because mm-hmm. I was waiting for the audio <laughs> It's like on my Kindle so I can like read while I listen to you. Oh yeah. I guess a lot of people, you can switch back and forth, right? If you. Yeah. One of my really good friends on Bookstagram actually like, this is how she reads. She will listen to it while like having the book in front of her and like it helps her keep, stay focused. And so I tried that and I loved it. So now you're just in my ears always. Uh... (laughs) How did you get started narrating books? So um, it's funny. I was in LA, this was, gosh, like, I guess it was like 12 years ago, something like that. Um, And my husband was working on it. My husband is also an actor and he was working on a show out there. And so I went out there and I um, had a lot of time on my hands. And so I started walking around the neighborhood and I was like, I need something to do or listen to while I'm walking around the neighborhood. And um, I I downloaded the Narnia Chronicles, or at least the first one, which I believe is Derek Jacobi who narrates that. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe somebody is like Derek Jacobi is just telling me a story as I walk around the streets of LA, which of course nobody else does because it's LA and everybody's in a car. Um, <laughs> and and I really enjoyed that. And then I started, I started listening to some more and at the time I had been, you know, I've, I've worked in theater. That's been sort of my main thing for, um, I don't know, to like 25 years now. And um, I've had many, many different side jobs, <laughs> uh, really ranging all over the place. And um, I had done some animation work and I had a friend who worked in animation, Jay Snyder, who's also is a prolific audiobook narrator, among other things. And I had a chat with him about audiobooks because he had been working for Audible. And I asked him, I sort of picked his brain about it, about the idea of narrating, because I just didn't want to like cater. I didn't want to have to have jobs that I hated. Um, And I thought this would be a great way to do what I love, still do what I love, but kind of um, be able to earn some money in a different, hopefully more fruitful way than than the sort of chaotic nature of theater and waiting for someone to hire you with that. So I wound up doing a little bit of, I paid an, a woman I knew also who did animation, but also in area, audiobooks, um, Kathleen McInerney, um, who I really looked up to and respected. And I, I hired her to do some work with me, sort of learning a little bit just at like the tip of the iceberg of narrating audiobooks and then I put together a couple of samples and I sent it to Audible 
and then I met Audible and I started, that's who I started working with. That's so fun. Yeah. I love the actor community because I feel like very similar to like the book community, like you all help each other. (laughs) Definitely. I would say the audiobook community is particularly that way. Really? Um, I think people are really, are for the most part, super supportive of each other and like to see their colleagues succeed and want to help other people. Not that that doesn't happen in the other areas that I work in, but it's particularly so in audiobooks. That's so fun. I love that. I like too. That's like heartwarming. Yeah. (laughs) I love hearing like authors are like, yeah, I have like group chats with all these other authors mm-hmm. and like hearing that like audiobook narrators have this too it's just like heartwarming <laughs> because I mean everybody's voice everybody has their own thing that they bring and so you're not you're not ever really competing with other people you're the books you do are the are the books you do and and you want there's not like a I got this because you weren't good enough or something you know like the, it's just um there's and there's so much there's so much audiobook there's so many audiobooks being produced that like there's plenty of work for everybody so there's no use in like <laughs> being weird that's all that's fair that's really fair how do authors typically find you like how ways. how do you get hired <laughs> a couple ways i mean i work for a bunch of companies uh, which has taken it's taken a really long time you know i've been doing this i guess i want to say maybe 11 years, 12 years, something like that. And it's, you know, it's been like a marathon, not a, not a sprint. So I started working with Audible and then um, ever, actually ACX came out. Um, if, if for anyone who doesn't know, ACX is audiobook content creation, I think is what it stands for. It's an Audible platform where um, self-published authors can find narrators. Okay. So any indie work, a lot of indie work anyway that's how um indie authors find narrators a lot of the time there's new there's more platforms now but acx was kind of the the start of that so i actually i did start um like where i met bella andre which is one of the i think i've done like 40 something books for bella she's a romance writer and i met her on acx when it first started and we like have continued to work together to this day so, uh, so after Audible, I spent a year, I did one book and then I never, I didn't hear anything for a year. And then Audible wound up giving me some more work. And then like from that, I met engineers there who worked for other companies. You um, meet other narrators who work for other companies and you sort of slowly get to know people. It takes a really long time. That's so interesting. Is it like... I feel like it's like a catalog, <laughs> like how I find intro music is how people would find you. Is that yeah, not- there's different, like, <laughs> like the different com- So there's companies that I work for who produce, who produce audiobooks. And there's also like big publishers. The big publishers are like Penguin Random House, Macmillan, Hachette. They're, they're much harder to get to know because they have a higher, their, their books are just a higher level of people that, you know, they're publishing like Stephen King and, you know, big people. So, but there's lots of um, companies that produce books uh, from smaller publishing houses or sometimes even from those bigger publishing houses that don't have the time or the space to be able to do them. So um, 
there are uh, there's something called the um, Audio Publishers Association, and they do some uh, a, a conference every year called APAC, which is the Audio Publishers Association conference, and you can you know pay a fee and you go and you it's like a networking thing. So there's a fair amount of like networking. I'm not very good at that myself. I I, I like I'm not good at like talking myself up so much. I just like to meet a person <laughs> and talk to them about I don't know life or whatnot. So, um, but that's that's kind of how you how you meet people um, and how I've met people. And and ACX, um, you put up a you put up a a profile. And then narrators can search for you and you can also like audition for things. I don't do as much on there anymore, like on my own looking for, for work because I've been really fortunate to have um, not at this point know enough people that they contact me. But I will still have authors contact me um, on there and sometimes it works out. Um, I've met some really wonderful authors on there. So that's so fun. Mm-hmm. How closely do you work with authors during the narration process? Is it you narrate and then you get notes back or do you work really closely with them or? Um, it depends. Often, um, I love interacting with the authors. I feel like collaborating with people is makes for the best book you can have. Like I like getting, you know, saying like anything you want to tell me about the characters beforehand is great. And often I will need like pronunciations. So we're all on the same page. But it, it depends. Like, for example, when you work for Audible, they they require that you reach out, that you they give you the author's information and they require that you reach out. And I think that's good personally um, to have some contact with people. I think it's it's sort of weird now when I don't have any contact with an author. Uh, but once you so for like an, for an indie project, I will ask in advance because like once you record things, you're you're not you're not going to like go back and like re-record a, a character. If someone's like, that's not how I pictured the character. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I've spent hours doing this, so that's it. But you'll get notes back errors you make. And if you work for a company, um, a producing house or a publisher, they'll send you like a list of um of fixes to do and then you send it back but I also like social media and I don't always get along but I have been part of why I like it is because it allows me to have some contact with authors that I wouldn't normally have um, in particular if I'm working for like a publishing house where you're not in touch with the author they like to you know be the go-between there I would say like 75% of the authors that I like get in touch with on on Instagram get back to me and are thrilled to have like a relationship and we can like have a mutual you know I try to post things and they'll post things and and it's just nice to like see a face mm-hmm. you know that's so interesting mm-hmm. you mentioned errors and stuff like that and mm. I find it so fascinating so there is a big author in like the bookstagram world and one of her books came out and one of the names was wrong uh, throughout the entire book. And it was one of those situations where like it was through a publisher. And so she didn't like have contact with the narrator because oh, the publisher yeah. was the go-between. And there's like an uproar. <laughs> I'm sure. And each, every time it gets brought up in the book world, I just giggle because I'm like, this is wrong. I mean, that's a, like I have, and you can get into trouble. Like, for, so if I'm prepping a book, and there's a name that is remotely questionable, like any proper name, 
I will ask because I have had to do fixes on a book where there's like 200 times somebody's name is, you know, uh, it's always better to ask (laughs) beforehand. Even if you have to like hunt it down, I will hunt it down. Also, I want it to be right. Like I want it to be right for the fans and for the author. And like, um, if you're in a series or something, you, you want it to be consistent. How do you keep characters and like voices consistent through like a series? Because some of these authors are taking months and years in between books versus and like they have like long series. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about Savage Lands and that's now a six book series. Mm -hmm. And you do different voices for all of the characters. So the way, what I do now, I can't speak for anybody else. Everyone has their own method, but I make a voice reference. So I, I pull a little clip for almost every person I voice, unless it's like the soldier over here, any person who's named I stop and I take the 10 seconds and I copy and paste that that little clip of that person talking and I name it and I save it. And I have a, I have a file. I have files for anything that I is a series or I think might be a series. I save every voice because of that very reason, because I am not going to risk not you will. I won't. I just won't remember who was who and what people sounded like, even even hearing like three words of a character, I'll be like, oh, yeah, got it. Um, so that's that's my method of madness for that. That's so interesting. Do you, when you have a series, is it easier to slip back into those voices and like that tone? Or do you have to like listen to previous audios and like get back into it? Honestly, I just listen to like a hot second. Yeah, I mean, I um, also because... I'll look at the writing and I'll be, it's usually, there's so many clues in the writing itself that, and if you're in a lot of series, people like, for example, in the, um, the fatal series, Marie always like, will like reintroduce people every book. So uh, it's actually, <laughs> it's useful for me too. Cause I'll be like, oh yeah. But those actually the Marie Force stuff, like I know those characters so well, they're like a part, they're just like a part of me. And I, and so I don't even have to listen to those. I just know them. Like stepping back into like a comfortable pair of jeans. Yeah. I mean, they're like weird. This sounds cheesy, but like, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Freddie. Oh, it's Sam. Like, I know those people. They're my, they're my friends, if you will. I love that. And like, you like did help bring them to life in some way. Like I get that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. How do you determine like the voice and the tone of characters? Is it just like an on-the-fly thing? Do you like go through a process of developing these voices? I don't, a lot of the time it's on the fly. I will, I always, I know there's another question you have about like, do I read things beforehand? And I almost, almost always do. Um, It's only really rare circumstances when I, when I don't. Um, Often, depending on the book, it's all written out, like, it's pretty clear who people are. And then I just sort of let that um, infiltrate me <laughs> and um, let it sort of take over. And I just, I don't, how can I say this without sounding like an insane person? Like I- You I, can sound insane. We've, ta- okay. we've had authors on this podcast that like straight up, like if a therapist listened to the episode, she would be concerned. <laughs> All right. 
well, like I, I just sort of let it embody. I let that person sort of embody me. And then there, there's not really much more I need to do. And if it feels wrong, I can tell pretty quickly. And I go back and I try to feel it in my body. Now I'm sitting, I sit when I record, there's a couple of people I know who stand, but it's a long time to stand. So I sit, but, um, I still use my body a lot as much as I can without making noise. Um, so I can just feel somewhat feel of what that person is. And then the voice responds to that. And as I say, like, I, I know right away, I'm like, Oh, no, that's not right. And then I'll just try to feel it out until it's right. And then I kind of lock it in. I have actually recorded someone for a chapter and been like, that's not right. And I'll go back and I'll like fix their things in a chapter, you know, because like once you make the decision, you're doing a 10 hour book, you're not going to go and like back and re-record everything. So (laughs) um, there are times when I will read a book and um, I'll need to know like the character description comes much later than when the person starts talking. So I'll make a note for myself, like, um, you know, Hilda in her sixties, gruff. And then I'll know what that, that is just enough for me to be like, all right, now I'm Hilda and I'm 60, you know, like, and I just can sort of jump into that. But that's a fun part for me too. Like I love doing care. I love doing characters and some people that's not their thing, but that's like my favorite thing about it. I love that. Does that, like, being able to feel that it's, like, off, does that come with experience or is that, like, a tool that you kind of develop just, like, being an actress? Yeah, I guess it's probably has to do with theater background, I I guess, because I'm used to being physical and, and having and using my body on stage, either in a tiny space like where it's more intimate or like a 2000 seat space. And um, I think that is probably part of it that I've been like doing characters since I was, I don't know, 11 or something. So, so Uh, yeah. That's so cool. How long does it usually take for like a standard book Um, to go through the process? The general rule of thought, you mean to, to record or for like how long did it from point from start to finish, does it take to, I can give you both answers. Let's do both. Okay. So, so, um, let, so like an eight hour book, um, I, I have only recorded one book from an outside studio during the pandemic. Everything else has been from home, but it's pretty standardly. The rule of thumb is it takes two hours to get one recorded hour down. Okay. So, it, so an eight hour book would take 16 hours. An eight hour book, if I'm uh, can, if I'm taking my time, I kind of prefer to do like a four hour, five hour session with like a long lunch break in the middle because I'm making my own hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people work from like 10 to five. If you're doing um, a Penguin Random House book, you're working 10 to five with an hour and for, for lunch, it's a lot of talking. But so like an eight hour book for me to record, if I was working every day, if I was really pushing it, I could do that in three days, but usually more like four. That is so much shorter than I thought it would be. Well, that's just the recording, right? Yeah. So like, so I do the, rec- I do the recording and then, and then that gets sent to uh, an editor 
um, who is doing a QC pass, so a quality control pass. So they listen through for mistakes. And sometimes in, while they're doing that, they, they're also like putting in the correct time before a chapter starts or things like that. And then then fixes come back to me. So then that usually, if somebody, it depends. Like sometimes I'll get fixes in like a few days. And sometimes I get fixes like a month later. It just depends on like when the book is due and, and mm-hmm. Then they send me the fixes. I I do like the sentence. Uh, I redo the sentence that they tell me to redo where I made the mistake. That goes back. Sometimes then that that version goes to a publisher. They do a QC pass. I get more fixes. Then it goes to like in through into the queue of like Audible. So I'd say like a month is pretty standard for uh, the entire thing. That's still so much shorter than I expected. (laughs) I mean, it can take longer depending. Uh, Like in my head, everything in book world takes at least four months. (laughs) Like just (laughs) flat rule of thumb, four months at least. (laughs) That's funny. I I imagine in some spheres, it does take that long. Yeah. That's that's kind of my, usually my sort of circle. That's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. You mentioned you did a little bit of training at the front end of your narration career, mm-hmm. your audio career. Have you done like more? Do you do lots of training to like encapsulate this? Um, I have, I have, I'm trying to think if I've done any like classes per se. I don't think I have done any like classes. I definitely have learning experiences <laughs> all the time. And I don't ever think that anybody's ever like done like, I wouldn't ever say like, well, now I am totally perfect at all times. That does, I don't think that exists really. So I guess I haven't with audiobooks. I definitely, I, I take, I still, I'm like part of an acting, um, the actor center, which is like, I do still do like classes with them for, for theater and film. And I do, I have done like, I do commercial voiceovers too. And I've definitely like done extra training for that, but I haven't I haven't really with the audiobooks, which is not to say that I won't at some point. I feel like all of that blends together so much. Yeah. Like, so like it makes sense. <laughs> Just because you're doing like theater training, like doesn't mean that it doesn't carry no, over. No, because because when it all what everything boils down to is truth. Like at any theater, film, audiobooks, commercials, it's like it it doesn't matter. They're all they're they're all like a very different style and they require different techniques, but they all boil down to like, are you being truthful? That's it. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's life too. That's like, are you being truthful? <laughs> that's what I'm a your world. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but I can feel something like you know, I try not to go back and I never like go, I don't really go back and listen to things to be like, was that okay? Cause you'd never finish, but I do, I can feel when something is like false and I try to go back and write that. I think it's fascinating to me. (laughs) You can't go back and write that when you're doing a play, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't be like, hold on, I'm just going to rewind and redo (laughs) that moment, but you can with an audio book. Fair. Do you have like a favorite book or genre that you've worked on? I I can't say I have like I have fav- some favorite books plural that I've loved. 
and I, I can tell you some of them. And then I have favorite, I also have favorite genres. Uh, so um, my favorite genre really is, um, is YA fantasy. I like, I love YA and I love fantasy and I like doing both of those together. But that's because YA and fantasy are things that I like reading in my own life. And so it's really fun for me. I think the YA stuff just has like, speaking of like truthful there's like a truthfulness to it that I really love and and books that I have loved um you know I try I try to like love each book I do uh, at least a little bit even if if I don't even if I don't um because I want it to be the best it, it can be but um there's a book I loved called Painting the Light which is um it takes place in like the 1800s and it, a woman on like an island in Maine. And I just, it was just such a beautiful, it was so beautifully written and such a lovely story. And I really, I loved doing that. That's so fun. Yeah. And fantasy wise, there's a, a, it was a duology, I guess you call it, called Winter Song, Winter Song. And I'm now I'm, I'm losing, I'm forgetting. I think Shadow Song was the, was the second one. But um, that was a fantasy series that like, went to the underworld with goblins and it was just like really cool and I loved doing that. That's fun. Yeah. Does the genre of book you're narrating ever affect the process of like getting into it and developing all of the voices and all of the tone and all of that? I will say yes and no. Like it's still it's still the same like core of truth that you're trying to be at. I try not to like change my voice too much, but there is a reality that like romance novels have a certain tone and a YA book told in first person from like a 15 year old point of view is going to have a different tone. Like next week I'm doing a book that is called um the mad girls of new york and it's about nelly bly and it's like very sort of upbeat and a little bit irreverent and um it did i already say it takes place like um during the women's rights movement like the suffrage movement and so it's gonna have a a different storytelling quality than like a romance novel would that's fair like just like the overall like tone of those tone of it. are very you different. know like there's going to be a, like a, ser- a a a nonfiction book about like war is going to be a very like sort of quiet neutral like tone and a a book <laughs> than like a children's story or I mean maybe that's obvious but a, a romance novel is like you want to be led through the romance in a in a, li- a little bit. You don't want to like gild the, there's no need to gild the lily, but you don't have to like put a hat on a hat, but it's, um, but it's going to, it's going to have a different feeling of who the narrator is. Cause the narrator, if it's a third, if it's third person, obviously if it's a first person story, the narrator is your main character telling the story. But in the third person, the narrator is still a character. The narrator often is like this sort of all knowing person guiding you through the story so it depends on the story how how that narrator is gonna respond and act. that's that's so interesting but yeah no like those tones are very different and I don't think that's obvious at all like I I think it's like 
one of those things we instinctively know, but until it's like put out there like that, like I would never be able to vocalize it. Well, somebody else might totally disagree with me too. Like anything I say is my opinion only, but like some people will have a very different, I, I have worked with the director who's like every, to me felt it feels like everything comes from exactly the same place and you're, you don't ever want to like change the tone of your voice. And I understand why that person said that, but I don't, know that I totally agree with it that's fair mm-hmm. you mentioned that you've worked for the big five like penguin random house and Hache. and is the process between the two for voiceover work pretty different like do you ever feel more creative freedom with one or the other or is it all fairly the same um it's different because with the with the bigger um with the publishing houses, they you always are paired with a director. So like next week, I'll be with a director and I haven't worked with her before and she seems really awesome. But you like, you know, you know, you don't until you are working with someone, you don't know how the other person works. So I and I I mainly work by myself as by as self-directing, <laughs> which I've sort of I, I, I see the benefit of both things. Like I think I've gotten pretty decent at directing myself but there's certain things that I would miss you know and I am all for collaboration when you feel like you're working together and so a good director can really like just up up the game and make you um, do your job even better you know it's only it's tricky for me with with the director sessions because I do a lot of other things and my schedule, like when I'm working on my own, I can be like, oh, I have to go do this audition. I have to go do this other booking. I'll come back and record later. But when you're doing a director session, you are booked for a certain amount of time and, and you can't, it's less flexible in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the core elements remain the same, you know, is like, I have little, <laughs> I have little notes like to myself in here to remind myself, I have one that says, you know what you are doing. And then I have another one that says, it's just a book. Like to remember that, to remember that <laughs> when I'm by myself or with someone else. It's just a book. <laughs> it's just a book. I mean, we can say that about anything, you know. Like, I say that about this podcast a lot. <laughs> there's like war and famine and like you go like it's just a book let's calm down and you know it's so easy to like want it to be like perfect and want it put a lot of pressure of course and I I I I do you know like and I want this to be really good I want the author to like me I want like people who listen to like me and you like you it is not in your control that that stuff is all you can do is like be in the moment and try to be truthful and that's it that's it the rest is like not your business, really. Fair. You mentioned that you're like also like a voracious reader. When you have periods of like a ton of voiceover work, mm-hmm. does that ever like discourage you from like wanting to read on your own time? No, actually, I like it's like a treat for me to finish work because you know, sometimes work is sometimes work is just is work right like it's not always like the book you love best or mm-hmm. something but um I it's like I get into bed and I read um and I'm I always without having a book of my own to be reading on the side like I feel empty <laughs> yeah I've always really loved reading and 
actually, interestingly, like I don't, I haven't listened to an audiobook in, I don't know, since I started probably. I just can't, it's like too weird for me. Do you now find I yourself just, nitpicking? <laughs> yes, yes. And I can't, I know so many audiobook narrators that, um, and I'm sure like they're all wonderful. I just like, I would be like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah reading. And I can't, I like, I like, I'm sure, you know, for people who really love audiobooks, like the idea is to be transported to this other world. And so you're not thinking about like, I know this narrator, like personally, I just had dinner with that. Like it's too close. And I like being able to sort of make up the, the pictures in my own, my head myself, or like make up the character things. Cause that's what I also, what I do, you know, is like make up voices for people. And I like it being my own in my own brain. That's fair. It's like how I dislike seeing like a person on a cover. <laughs> I like yeah. my brain to like create all of that. Yeah. And you're where, right. Where you're like, that's not what I thought, you know, yeah. that's not how I pictured it. Exactly. Um, I, I love reading. That's so fun. What you said you really like, like YA, mm-hmm. like what, who are your favorite authors? I mean, I will admit that I read all the Twilight books back in the day. Who did not? <laughs> I love them. I love them. Um, I really, I guess I really love Philip Pullman who did the, his dark materials Mm -hmm. stuff, which is actually like, I get sort of YA. It's not like current YA. Um, But that's, I'm trying to think of like who else I really in the YA world. Like I, I, now I can't remember now. See, this is what I do is I'm like, yep, it's done. It's the pressure of the question. And I actually, that was like the one, that's like the one section, the one um, genre that I did not really write down. Um, Well, what are your other favorite genres? um, Well, I do. I love like fantasy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Like I've been reading a lot of um, Naomi Novak stuff recently. She wrote um, Spinning Silver, which I just read, which I loved. And um Oh. I have deadly. You can't see it because it's on my other. Like, a deadly I, education. I have a deadly education. I just started that. that. Do you, have you started it? I have not started it yet. It like stares at me. It's like Jessica. It's really interesting. It's like it's a it's sort of a different spin on the um, like witches and wizards training kind of thing. Oh, of course, I um love Harry Potter, the Harry Potter series, and I also did the Broadway, the Cursed Child. So like it's all been a. That's probably why I forgot about it for a little bit because I spent so long <laughs> at Cursed Child. But what other play? I really love um, Robin Hobb. I don't know if you know, Robin Hobb wrote um, Assassin's Apprentice. Yes. Uh, I actually thought that Robin Hobb was a man for a really long time. And then I learned that Robin Hobb was a woman. And I was like, yes, her stuff is just like rich and dense and like just, you know, like lots of lots of um, books in a series. And I love like being involved in a a long series where I can get to know people over a long period of time. I love that. I also like, I love a good long series. Like I, Mm -hmm. it's so hard to like dedicate that much time, but like having like a series grippy like that and having like characters that feel like you grew up with. Yeah. Nothing beats that feeling. In my, Um, and (laughs) and I also like, I read all the Outlander books because those are, again, I guess you might consider those sort of romance. There's lots of like sex and romance in them, but they're just so like the historical accuracy and like the the density of the, of the writing is so um, 
know. I just get really lost in that kind of world. That's fair. Also, like, I a good vampire story when it's of Outlander. Yeah. Yeah. They're really, they're really good stories. They're really good stories. Um, I really love the, um, the Justin Cronin, like the passage books. I like vampire stuff, but only when it's like written really, really well. <laughs> like when it's, um, it's not just, uh, like, I suck your blood and we have sex. <laughs> I like, I like when it's like real, like world building. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most interesting project you've narrated either? Like just because it was so different or like what? Every, every book has like something interesting about it, but um, I read a book called the, the voyage of the morning mist, which was also sort of like turn of the century. It takes place on a ship and I, I must have done, like 20 dialects in that book and I spoke Greek in it and it was the most research I ever like the research involved because sometimes some companies like help you with research and some are like you're on your own and so I thankfully speaking of like getting to know an author like that author Marina and Dakot was her name she um really helped me get all the information especially like the greek she had a friend who like knew ancient greek and like would made voice recordings for me and but like i mean they because that boat traveled all over the world so we'd be like i was doing like maori people and and people in china and like people in the american south it just was like it just went on and on with the dialects but and i love that stuff um, and I like pride myself on trying to get a dialect as accurate as I can, but um, it was really challenging, but also really fun. And that's so uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Greek, ancient Greek. <laughs> I'll never forget that one. <laughs> yeah. I also would never be able to forget the fact that I like spoke ancient Greek in a book. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you what any of it really meant, but I definitely tr- pronounced it, I think, pretty well. That's awesome. I love when authors throw stuff like that in. <laughs> the dialects I would find so difficult. Do you find them difficult? Do you, or is it? Um, sometimes it depends on the dialect. Like I, dialects is always something I've had an affinity for. And um, so I can listen and there's lots of uh, sites. There's a particular site online that called um, International dialects of English archive idea and I use that all the time and you can like listen to people from certain places speaking in English with different with all kinds of dialects so yeah uh there's times when I am like it's it's challenging because I want to make sure that I'm doing speaking as a person um and not like a mimicry of something you know like Asian dialects are are very are hard and I want to make I I spend a a lot of time going over them to make sure that they don't sound that they that they sound accurate and not like some sort of like cartoon version or something like that it's they're not Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah so (laughs) I'm like it's it's important to me to like be um respectful there's an archive. For- oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, you should check it out sometime. <laughs> I mean, also there's less people on like YouTube who like do the dialect challenge and never knew that I would be using them for research. <laughs> I love that. I like the internet's so fascinating. That but Idea is is a really great site that I use all the time. 
That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You've won awards for your narrating. What was that like? It's, I guess, I guess, I, yes, there's been a couple like, um, the, there's a something called the earphone awards. It's, it's, it's nice when somebody likes, says nice things about your work, you know? It's also like things that I've won awards on. I've also like gotten like slammed by, you know, some sort of audible user who listened and was like, I hate this book. I hate this narrator. It's the same thing that I got like an award on. So you, I think you have to take everything. It's really nice when somebody likes you and you have to like hold on to that and be like, that's really great, but not take everything too seriously because everybody's got an opinion and that someone could love your work and someone can hate your work. It's totally subjective. So great assault, I guess is what I'm saying. That's fair, but so fun. Like winning an award, so fun. (laughs) And then like, like eight months later, you get the certificate and they'll be like, here's your certificate. And you're like, oh, right. Yeah, that happened eight (laughs) months ago. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. You've done a couple books that have like multiple narrators. Uh-huh. How does that work? I mean, you mentioned that since COVID, you haven't like really gone to like a sound booth somewhere else, mm-hmm. but like on normal times, how does it work to do like a dual perspective to narrator type book? Um, you're doing it, both doing it on your own. I try to uh, get in touch with the other narrator I will get the information and and often a, a company will be like hey get in touch with each other make sure you're on the same page I find it's easier if one person does the recording first and says here's the choices I made and then you can be like great I will just take what you did obviously it's usually for me a male female kind of thing although I have done books where there's um, a couple of women or uh, but it's great when you can like you know, touch base and, and make say like, hey, I think this person probably is, I, I read that this person is like from Brooklyn. Should we give them an accent or, you know, just so you're, you're doing the same thing. Once in a while, I've had someone like not respond and then you're like, well, I'm just gonna do the best I can, <laughs> make some choices and hope for the best. But generally people are like, great, let's like, let's just be on the same page and then we'll do our thing. And that's that's kind of how it usually works I would never in a million years expect it to be like yeah I did it I did my part they did their part then the editor brought it all together like especially like scenes where people like well yeah and even like scenes like I I have done I think I guess I've done it's just really hard there's not a lot of booth booths there's certainly there are booths where people you can be recording at the same time but generally they don't generally do it that's like that. So, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Even if it's like, because I've done, I've done some recently, like some books that had where I did like a small part of, like I did this Mad Max book and I did this um, a book about Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine. And I was playing people like real life people who were in interviews and I was somebody the the engineer would like read the other line to me with a question like what did you think about da 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 and then I would answer him for the book but I wasn't it wasn't like me with the person playing Stephen Sondheim asking the question or you know so I, I it's it's just trying to make it seem as 
the least stilted it can be, like the most conversational with that kind of thing. Is, do you ever find it, like, do you ever find yourself wishing you are in the same room as them? Or is it just like, you're so used to it, you have, you're fine? Well, I mean, for the most part, you're trading off chapters. Fair. So uh, there's not, there wouldn't really be a need. Because then you'd just be sitting there waiting until until the next person did their chapter. Fair. So I like meeting the people. I like, I'm always like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. We did this book together. And then it's always nice to, you know, to 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 put a, a voice and a face together because we're so often just hearing voices. I happen to be friends with a lot of audiobook narrators, in particular um, women, but I miss like, actually seeing people at things and seeing people at studios because you just don't see people now you're like at home in your pajamas yeah I mean I don't know why I expected anything else but like I've I read dual perspective (laughs) I know that it's every other chapter or whatever like I know like (laughs) yeah yeah intrinsically I know that but (laughs) so I told my actor friend that I was doing this interview and his first question was, are they union or non-union? So I promised him I'd ask. I am union. And uh, so SAG-AFTRA, I'm also in equity, but that's the other, that's the state is union. But um, yeah, I'm union and I've been union hmm, for, I don't know, I think probably 18 years, something like that. Um, I don't, I'm a strong believer in the union. I, I know that there's needs to be non-union work. And I think that's, great but i i am someone who believes in not working off the card or i i believe that actually with audiobooks you can it's like the one area in the union that you can be in the union and also do books non-union i'm i am not a proponent of that uh i think that when you're in the union you should do union work and it makes the whole union stronger for everybody to do that that's so interesting I had no idea until he told me this that like audiobooks would even be in the union and like it makes sense yeah like it makes sense (laughs) well and I'm so grateful for it because uh, in particular over the pandemic like books are pretty much with a with a couple of exceptions like I oh I did books and that's it like I must have I I must have done like in the last two years, like 70 books, I've just, you know, like that's all I've been doing. And um, that's how I get my health insurance. A lot of years that's like that books have been what have given me my health insurance. And so I'm really, I'm so grateful that, and, and I'm, for the most part, like even, you know, with indie authors, I'll be like, Hey, I, I'm in the union. So I put, I add this, you know, 12 and a half, 13% um, union so that I can have health insurance and people get it. Like people, I think they want that for they want to be able to like be an employer who helps people have health care that's so interesting mm-hmm. yeah I like it like it makes sense that this would be like a like a part of all of that because like of course like voice actors are still actors and like you're also doing plays so and like commercials so like it all makes sense but like I never for some reason there's like a weird disconnect between like audiobook narration and like the theater (laughs) Mm -hmm. well there's a I know a lot of um theater actors who who narrate because they're so 
they're so similarly tied. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. And it's great. It's a, it's a really lovely, I can't even, it's not a side job for me anymore. It's like, I mean, I consider myself pretty full-time narrator, even though I do other things full-time as well, but I'm proud of that. And I'm like proud of the, proud of everybody I know who does it. I think people take people, everyone I know who works in audiobooks takes like a lot of pride in, in making sure there's, it's, their stories are well told, you know, and like full and, and human. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that like, nothing's going to top that. Okay. So we're just gonna. <laughs> Great. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for You're doing You're so that. welcome. I hope I didn't talk your ear off, but I guess that was part of the job. I mean, like the, it is a podcast. <laughs> right. right. I just have one last question and we've yeah. kind of already covered it, but it is my closing question to all of my guests. Okay. What books are you currently binging? You just said that you are binging a deadly education. Yeah. A deadly education. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else I want to do next. I have a couple other, well, I'm waiting for the new Patrick Rothfuss. I feel like he has another, he wrote the name of the wind, which is like this fantasy series that I really loved and um, waiting for that one to come out. But I'm sort of on this Naomi Novak kick right now. Like I'm really just sort of enjoying her worlds and I'm going to stick in that, I think, for, for the time being. Until I, yeah, I like to switch it up with some literary fiction because I, I love also like a really good uh, literary novel. But for right now, I'm in the fantasy, fantasy zone. Love it. The fantasy zone, like when you're in it, you're in it. Oh yeah. I just want to <laughs> be taken there and I want to like live there for a while. Well, thank you so much again. Like again, I'm obsessed with you. So this just like made me so happy to talk. Oh, good. That makes me feel so nice. Oh, good. This has been Eva Kaminsky. I will link her audible profile in the episode description so you can check out all of the wonderful books she has narrated. Eva narrated the first fiction audiobook I ever listened to, and I loved it so much. She created a full-on convert out of me, so I truly cannot recommend listening to the books she has narrated enough. You can find all of Eva's upcoming projects and plays on her website at evakaminsky.com, and you can find her on Instagram at evakaminsky1. That's the number one, and it's also linked in the episode description. This has been a Bookshelf Binge. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate the show five stars wherever you are listening. As always, you can get these episodes early and ad-free on the Patreon, along with bonus content, the newsletter, and all the fun limited series. Be sure to check out the Etsy store for merch, as I'm always adding new products, and you can shop the books mentioned on the bookshop.org storefront. I'm your host, Jessica. You can follow me on all social media at Bookshelf Binge. Thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week!